Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are both in love with Peter Kravinsky. You're in, Pucks. <laughs> <laughs> the Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you dive into the dumpster for things that you love. Oh, we should have been like, yeah, my main and Kelsey from ESPN. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Hey, what's up? It's been a while since we've done, like, a live-ish one. It's Thursday. Kelsey's going to Whitehorse today. Yeah. Like, a current one. We've just done, like, book club ones for a couple weeks here. That's all. Yes, that's true. Kelsey's going to Whitehorse today. And then next week we'll have, uh, or Sunday. So this is going up on Sunday. And then we're going to have a couple more Gatsby ones, and then we'll do some other stuff. Yes. Um, With, if, like I said, if the timing all works out, number 69 is going to be while we are in Sweden. Which I just booked today. With Amanda as a special guest. Does she know? Yes. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, she's going to drive her car into the ditch when she hears <laughs> it. Um, and if she doesn't know, surprise, Amanda, you're going to be our special guest. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have three things that we want to talk about today. That's it. That's so you know we're going to be here for a good two hours. Um, I don't know if we have two hours. Because we're going to take you to the airport. Correct. So we'll do this as, uh, for as long as we can do this. The first thing I want to talk about is today, August the 23rd? Yes. Mark, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs did a thing that I'm super impressed with and hired Haley Wickenheiser um, on their player development side. Mm-hmm. And as predicted, uh, men on the internet, not all men, Hashtag not all men, I suppose. But not all men on the internet, but a lot of men on the internet, real pissed off about it. Yes, they're very upset. And it's just a goddamn delight. It is a little bit of a delight. for all of the reasons. Um, yeah, so anyway, some of the, some of the pushback that um, has been happening here. So, uh, what Kyle Dubas said was about the organization, not so much the the hockey team itself, but he's talking about the organization. This was on a conference call earlier, and he said, Research shows that the more diverse your organization, the better your decision-making, the better your operation in general. I think that if you're only hiring white males, and I'm saying that as a white male, you're probably leaving a lot on the table in terms of where your organization is going and how it can think and how it can evolve and develop. I don't think we've gone out and said that we want to hire females only or males only or anything like that. We're looking for the best candidates and we're not pushing anybody aside. And I think sports, in general, are moving well in that direction. It's been great to see. Basketball's probably been by far the best with it. I know baseball as well. I just think that it's going to make sports and how they operate that much better as we all progress and move along. Mm -hmm. Um, He's absolutely right. Of course he is. So this is from, that, and that that screen cap that I'm looking at here is from a guy who writes uh, for The Score. And he's a national hockey writer. And so this is what he what he says. The first reply on this is, I get it. We live in a time where sports is a platform for social justice endeavors. I just hope it's not a Manon Rayon gimmick. Um, sure, pal. But it's just... Sports are absolutely not a platform for social justice. Like Not even a little bit. Oh, holy little, shit. Haven't they been watching anything about what's happening in no. the fucking United States with kneeling? No. Like... Uh, it's not an effective platform for any of that. No, and it's so like anyway. So the, of course the, the I saw someone earlier. Uh, I can't remember where the thread was, but anyway, he was like, "I've already lost Star Wars." 
And now, and I'm just like, oh, you're one of, you're a neckbeard, aren't you? Like, that was my first response, and Lost I just, Star yeah, Wars? to the social justice crusade. But anyway, Haley Wickenheiser, at, like, you know, if you look at her accomplishments, if you were to strip away the, her name and gender from, like, the accomplishments, right, and just, like, here's all the things that she's done in her career. She's the most qualified. Here's this athlete, yes. and here's all these other athletes, right? You'd be like, wow, that person's done a lot. This many years on the national team, mm-hmm. this many... Olympic years. tournaments playing professional yeah playing male and male and ma- but yeah okay so yeah. here's here's the best part she's played more professional games in men's hockey than Mike Babcock <gasps> who is the coach of yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs more professional men's hockey games than Ken Hitchcock who was the coach of the Dallas Stars to uh-huh. retire um, but no one's calling for Babcock to be fired based on his lack of playing experience and she's not like the fucking general manager. She's like the assistant director of player personnel. But that is perfect for her. Of course it is. And you know why? Uh, someone put it in a very good terms is that she experienced both being at the top of the game and at the bottom of the game. Because she struggled yes. to break into that men's hockey. And so she, being the one of the best female hockey players in the world, mm-hmm. was at the bottom in this like tier three men's professional league. And knowing... That frustration and what it takes to get to that point yes. gives her a perspective, I think, that a lot of people do not have. Absolutely not. And when you're thinking about all the different tournaments and all the different styles of hockey that she's had to play in, because, like, Olympic hop- hockey doesn't always have the same exact rules as other mm-hmm. tournaments and leagues and whatever, she's the one who knows the best how to navigate those changes. Mm-hmm. How to make sure... You are comfortable and aware and able to find what you need in order to be successful. Yeah, How absolutely. could she not be a great player development employee? Well, and the, just the simple fact that, like, she's got straight up pedigree. Of course she does. Like, she started playing on the national team when she was 15 fucking years old. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. And, and she's always been one of the best at what she does. Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine that she's going to do a bad job. No. And she's not a token hire. Oh, God. When they brought her into their, like, their um, rookie camp or whatever. Yeah. To do a little bit of work on ice work. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be a thing. I hope it is. And look, it was. Mm-hmm. So. He's a smart man. He is. And he's doing the things that I think, um, that I think I would like to see more hockey managers do get into yes i i guess that means that she's kind of leaving her dream to go to med school hey? yeah for yeah for now put it on hold maybe oh that's too bad um but you know and and, and the other the other thing that like I, she was going to calgary yeah yeah and the other thing i think too that like maybe this is something she's always kind of wanted to do as well and the opportunity was there you know yeah. and maybe the opportunity is not going to be there in the future? In the future. I guess so. Um, Pen school's a hard fucking thing to pause, that's for sure. Well, exactly. I'm extremely excited and, and proud that she is going to be working for the Leafs. Um, well, and I saw someone say, like, you know, with, uh, Katie Strang on The Athletic wrote um, an article that got published today about when we're going to see a female head coach in the NHL, and the responses were typically shitty. 
Um, one was a fair point. It's like when there are female coaches in junior and like minor pro. And I was like, that's probably fair. Like I and and, and I feel like hockey at that those like upper levels I think is still very much like a white man's game in Yes. In all of those ways, right? <laughs> yes. And so until it's not and until there's like legitimate um it's gonna be really tough. I think it's gonna be really tough for like a woman to break in as like a coach in the NHL. However, someone else made a really good point that like um men are hired to coach women's hockey at high levels all the time. Of course they were. Uh, like Kevin Deneen in the Olympics. Which, fine, I'm not knocking his job or whatever, like, you know, in, in 2014 or whatever. But, never played women's hockey, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem to be a problem for anybody. Yeah, the double standard is, as always, bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I hate it. It's really frustrating. It's, it, it's just, like, it is really why frustrating. why do people have to drag her down? She's a four-time Olympic gold medalist. She's a six-time Olympian. She played in six fucking Olympic games. Yeah. She's won four gold medals and two silver medals. She went even to the fucking Summer Olympics for softball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So four gold medals, one and one silver medal, and then she went to the Olympics as a softball player. Um. Has been an incredible ambassador for her sport Mm -hmm. for her entire career. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's she's not qualified. The fucking dart guy can get a job in hockey. Yeah, of course he can. Fucking break. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh god. Um, but good on the Leafs, and I'm kind of excited to see kind of where this where it goes and and what. Uh, what comes of it, and if there's more, and they also hired, I think I can't remember, they also had another, uh, 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 another woman today, a uh, doctor. Yeah. Um, not as like their head doctor, but I can't remember what it is that she's on the staff. That she's on their staff, which and and it's nice that they're like making those announcements public too. Like I think that's important mm-hmm. that teams are making some of that information public. Transparency. Ahem, Oilers. It's a wonderful thing. Um. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I mean, someone was like, you know, what if if their player development goes off the rails, she's totally gonna get blamed for it. And of fucking course she is, because that's how it's gonna go. But also, if you suck at your job, you should get fired, regardless of your gender. Of course. Peter Chia Rally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, that note, let's talk about good things. Thank God. First of all, I was can I talk about my holiday for like two minutes. Sure. So I went on holidays for a couple weeks, and I went into Saskatchewan and Manitoba, and it was lovely, and I stayed with family a bunch, and I did a bunch of camping, and I went to, like, some national parks and national historic sites, and there was one national historic site that I tried to find, but I couldn't find, um, because, uh, it's called Fort Esperance, and it's north of, uh, Rokenville in Saskatchewan, like, which is pretty close to the Manitoba border, and I couldn't find it, and I couldn't find it, and then the Google Maps lady, as I was driving down this, like, gravel road, was like turn here and I was like fucking where this is into someone's field and it was so I didn't turn there and then she tried to reroute me but it was just turn around and turn here so anyway so I kept driving I found the town I kind of got reoriented and I was looking again and I ended up driving past this potash mine because I'm in eastern Saskatchewan and then down this gravel road again different one and it's like turn here and I was like fucking where and I thought it was just like a continuous fence it wasn't there was like a, a track bit. in between these yeah. two fences and I think that's the road I was supposed to go down but there was no sign and I didn't want to die in the bush so I didn't go 
Um, so what was there that you wanted to see? It's like an old archaeological site from a Hudson's Bay Company fort that was operational in like the late 18th century. Okay. So they've got some like, there's old artifacts and you can see like footprints of different buildings and stuff like that. There's, there's no buildings or anything left, but they've there got some. There was no sign? There was a sign in the town. And then apparently if you go into the bush, which I'm assuming is where it's supposed to be, there's a sign like once you get down to the bottom of some hill. But I was like, I don't want to encounter the hill people. No, that's Parks Canada. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wrote them a letter. Did you? Yeah, I was like, um, if you want people to visit this place, you need to have better signage. Like, a sign. <laughs> Even just one. Um, and uh, I went to Fort Walsh National Historic Site, um, South of Maple Creek, which mm-hmm. was really cool. I'd never been there, and I wanted to for a whole bunch of reasons and for a whole bunch of years to go there, and I did, which was really neat. It was really hot when I was gone. <laughs> like, unbearably so. It's been as... Who was it said? Asa Base? A cruel summer. It has been a cruel summer. Um, I was driving up to Wood Mountain, Saskatchewan, which is um, not far from where my, my aunt lives uh, on the farm in Mancota. And there's a provincial historic site there, and it's tied to the Fort Walsh National Historic Site. So I was driving out there, and on that day, as I was driving, my car thermometer said 43 degrees, mm. and the thermometer on the side of the building when I got there said 45 and so at that point in time, it doesn't matter anymore. It was like 30 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so That's like, where's, where's it going to go? Only it's just going to get worse. So, and you know in Saskatchewan, you grew up in Saskatchewan, the wind comes. And you know here, when it gets windy, when it's hot out, usually you can feel a little bit of humidity on the breeze, but it kind of cools down a little bit. Oh no, it was like walking into a fucking blast furnace. And I was just like, holy shit, it was awful. It was just awful. <laughs> And then yeah, the the lowest um, like daily high temperature that I had was last week Monday. It was twenty two degrees, mm-hmm. and that's the day I got my sunburn because I forgot <laughs> to put the sunscreen on because it was only twenty two degrees and it was so windy, like gusts of like fifty to sixty. So but there was technically yeah. a wind chill. It was like it said it felt like it was eighteen degrees, but it was twenty two. <laughs> and then like the next four days were like thirty three and up. Saskatchewan's hell, man. It was great. I loved it. I hate it. I loved everything about it. I, hate it. I almost I bought it. you something at the like tourist the tourist information place in Estevan, but I was like, oh, I'd just like to be her friend, so maybe I shouldn't. Fucking what's his name? Louis. Fucking mine thing. Yeah. Saskatchewan people know. Estevan people. Know. I know what you're talking about, but I don't. Yeah. What were you gonna get me? There was just like a little Estevan like. Did you go to the art museum? I went to the art gallery. Yeah. And encountered, like, the most beautiful man who worked there. What? I know. Those didn't exist when I Checked all the boxes. Really? Tall, kind of shaggy hair, plaid shirt, glasses, bit of a beard. Great. Yeah. Well, he's in Esteban, so good luck with that. <laughs> he works at the art gallery in Esteban, which is, like, an odd thing. Yeah. Were you the only one there? My aunt and I were, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the janitor. <laughs> and this dude. <laughs> Same when I went there as a child. Um, but it was neat. lovely paintings of landscape there, though. Uh, they had just had two um, temporary galleries that they had done. Oh. So they got a lady in from Saskatoon. She teaches in the fine arts department at U of S. And she had come down and done, like, two scale, like, fit for the space, these big, like, line drawings of these really cool things. And she also made, like, a kinetic Ferris wheel. Wow. It had a motion sensor in it. So when you, like get up to it yeah because the the lady who's like in charge of the art gallery now she's like mm, younger than me oh so she's got some 
different ideas. And then the other one was, uh, there was a guy who was based in Esteban a long, long time ago. He was, he printed posters for, like, different circuses and, and cool. stuff. And, and so they had somebody, like, install them in a particular way, but these are all original posters from this, like, it was really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, it wasn't just landscapes. Which was kind of surprising to me, because I sort of expected that's what it would be, but it wasn't. Yeah, because usually when you get down there, it's very overwhelmingly pastoral. To the point where it's suffocatingly pastoral, I would say. In all the negative context. But that's my bias about Saskatchewan. Yeah, see, I love it a lot. And I also had lunch with Britt and Obi and Grace, and it was wonderful. Yeah. And I took a little video. I asked Obi if I could take a video of her to say hi to you, and she was like, yeah. And then I turned the camera on, and she just wouldn't. And then I turned it off. I was like, you turd. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. She, like, hates it when you put a camera in her face. It's amazing. My favorite thing to do is take pictures and videos of her when she doesn't know it, and then see the judgment in her eyes when she realizes I'm taking a video of her. It's amazing but now you're back from outer space i am back from outer space and i have to go back to work like right away tomorrow i'm going on a field trip with the football team it's a cold lake and uh for reasons i get to be the responsible adult on the trip. <laughs> just because it'll just be a lot easier that way i think mm-hmm. i get to I, mostly i get to hold the binder with all the permission slips and medical forms I think that's a good job for you. I think it is a very good job for me, just knowing the chaos that will ensue otherwise. Just like you got it. Uh, yeah, we get to go to the base, though, which is cool. Oh. And we get to tour the base and stuff, so that'll be kind of neat. Do you think that that is a draw for your student population? I think for some of ours, yeah. I think for some of our guys, it will be. For sure. And I think it'll be good. Like, I know I was talking to, to the head coach, we were actually talking about this in June, and uh, some of our kids, like, this will be the first time that they've ever left Edmonton without their families. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, yeah. And for some of them, it'll be, like, the first time they've ever, like, not slept at home. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be kind of cool. Just very, and it's a very different experience from, like, other schools that I've taught at where, like, their preseason football trip was, like, California, and they went to, like, you know, whatever base, and then they went to, um, onto, like, an aircraft carrier, and then they went to, like, a Why USC. Why do you always fucking go to military bases? It's like a team thing. I don't know. But, like, sports are not I know. War. No, but it's like a team building sort of thing. That's all it is. But also, like, the base and, like, it's pretty cool. And I think the fact that we get to do it is pretty neat, so. I agree. I just. I know. I, I, I get it. I <laughs> I get it. But I think this is more just, like, you know, because we do. I mean, here, there's a base at, on the north end of town, but yeah. it's different because it's an Air Force base. And, like, it's just, I'm super excited because, like, I really like military aircraft. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I think they're super cool. So. It'll be fun. It'll be really neat. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be neat. Um, and then, so that's Friday, Saturday, and then uh, we have to be back at work on Tuesday. Already? I know. Fuck, Megan. Everyone else is on Thursday, but we have to go back two days early because we get two extra days off in November, so real good trade-off there. That is. And that's not being sarcastic at all. It's a fucking great trade-off. No, that's Because two days at the end of summer, totally worth it to have a full, like, nine days off in the middle of November. Absolutely. Because that drag to December break. Holy. Yeah, it's hard. It's a long one. It's a rough one. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the end of my summer. I have to get up early tomorrow morning, insofar as, like, as early, you know, whatever. Uh, which means that it will be 6.55 when my last alarm goes off. I need to leave at, like, 7.20. Um, I'm all, I'll be all ready by the time I go to bed tonight, and I'll, I'll pack and whatever. But I will, it'll just be such a struggle. But this morning... 
when I did not have any purpose to get up, I was awake at like oh, six o'clock. Of course you were. Yeah. It's that time again. Yeah, I hate it. I'm yeah. even feeling it, and I'm not even going to work. Yeah. It's, yeah, you were saying. It's tough. It's t- you just get that like as soon as the leaves turn yellow and you've been teaching for a while, you just like get this nervous energy mm-hmm. of like it's looming. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's happening now. Well, obviously, yesterday I was at school because I've been I was at school for the last three days doing some like photography stuff with the football team and whatever, and doing a little bit of work in my classroom. And uh, after practice yesterday, coach and I were talking about school and stuff, and he just said like, uh, right now, as long as it's just football, he's okay. But he's like, as soon as there's teaching and football, he's like, I don't know how I'm gonna survive. And I was like, Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that because I got the swim thing starting up right away again. So yeah, for sure, it's so much. It like, is. <laughs> insane the burden on teachers is unmanageable but hey anyone could do our jobs it's that time of year if you're in ontario anyone can snitch on you yeah i heard that that's fucking garbage someone i saw on twitter today was like we should just flood that hotline and fill their answering machine with like complaints about the government instead absolutely just all the time so that when that parents can't snitch because oh we're just getting shut down it's fucking bullshit yeah like the removal of the professional capacity of teachers mm-hmm. from constant oversight like this mm-hmm. is absolutely detrimental to mm-hmm. what teachers do in the classroom and their self-efficacy. Absolutely. Like, teachers function well in the classroom when they have the trust of students. Yeah. And now if students know, because students fucking play the game, man. Mm-hmm. They will play the game. If they know, like, they can say to their mom or their dad mm-hmm. because they didn't get a good mark on a thing, oh, but she said this, and I think you should call into that line. Yeah. Like, that's a real concern. Yeah. And it's not just going to be for the sex ed curriculum either. God, no. Yeah, that's the God, problem. no. Yeah. So anyway, back to school time. Back to school. It's going to be great. Um, we have two movies that we want to talk about. I think we should do... The serious one first. Oh, absolutely. Because it was really good. So yesterday, we went to see... Yesterday? Oh my god, yesterday. You've done a lot since then. <laughs> you've watched, you've consumed a lot of media since we left that oh movie. So yesterday afternoon, before I went to school, we went, along with Riva and uh, my friend Aaron, we went to see Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. With, starring John David Washington, who's Denzel's son, and Adam Driver. And I don't know who any of those other people are. Do I know who any of those other people are? No. Well, Alec Baldwin was at the beginning in, like, a great cameo. Topher Grace. To- oh, yeah, Topher Grace. That's right. He's awful. I hate him. He's great. He was wonderful in it, but I just don't like him. He's just forgettable. So, Black Clansman is based on a true story mm-hmm. uh, of a Colorado Springs uh, police officer named Ron Stallworth, who basically got in touch with the KKK in Colorado Springs. Because they had an ad in the paper. Mm-hmm. And uh, joined. Uh, he, of course, being black, couldn't actually join the KKK. So one of his uh, one of his fellow police officers was the face of Ron Stallworth. And he was the voice of Ron Stallworth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the time when David Duke, who you may remember from the Trump campaign in 2016, was the Imperial Wizard of the KKK. Grand Wizard. Grand Wizard. Whatever. Imperial Whatever. That's what they called him. He was the Imperial Wizard. Wow. Well, look, I'm pretty sure it's the Imperial Wizard. Could be the Imperial Grand Wizard. Wizard. What if it's both? No, Megan, he's the National Director. 
Right. <laughs> Uh, and it's not the KKK, it's the... The organization. The organization. So, anyway. Uh, Is it Imperial? I don't think it's Imperial. I thought it was Imperial Wizard. I think it's just Grand Wizard. Let me find out. Ugh. David Duke looks like a lump of Play-Doh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is that rude? I don't know. Oh, fuck David Duke. Don't worry about being rude to him. So anyway, this movie is fucking amazing. It really and it's directed by Spike Lee, so I don't know if that is helpful to you to like know Grand Wizards or Imperial Wizards. Fuck. There you go. They're kind of both. We can't both be right. Um, as I said to Megan at the end of this movie, I haven't seen a lot of Spike Lee films. I think maybe two. Okay. But what I love about him is he does not fuck around. As I said, there is no subtext in this film. It's all text. Yes. It's telling you hey, Nazis aren't a thing of the past. Legit, they killed a person last year with their car. So, yeah, in okay. Virginia. So this is going to be very spoilery, and I apologize. This, the whole hour is going to be spoilery, but anyway, whatever. Yes. Um, yes, so we have, like, Topher Grace playing David Duke, which is phenomenal, like, phenomenal casting. Because yeah. Topher Grace is, like, objectionable at best, right? And so, like, him, and he was perfect. Because he he's got that, like, very, like, sort Smarty. of milk toast. Yeah. White, but smarmy. Very smarmy, but like that white, white, white persona. <laughs> um, and so he plays David Duke, who eventually Stallworth ends up like talking to on the phone and meeting in person. Mm-hmm. In like, which in the film was hilarious. I don't know how that happened in real life, but in the film, fucking brilliant. But they talk a little bit um, about. Yeah, this idea that if this racism goes unchecked, uh-huh. ultimately that here's what's going to happen. And what is going to happen is Donald Trump. They don't. He doesn't come out and say it, obviously, because they're having this dialogue is happening in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the end of the movie, Spike Lee's like, hey, remember that thing we talked about in the middle of the film? Here's what fucking happened. And then there's footage from, like, the Charlottesville protests and, and march and riot and then, like, the car driving into the crowd and, like, and it's like, P.S. This is the thing that we warned you about. Yeah. This is the thing we all saw coming. Um, and the film was released on August the 10th, which was a, a year after the Charlottesville, which was obviously a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was so well done. It was gorgeous. What I really like about how he shot the film was he was not afraid to take stylistic choices to shake the audience. Yes. Like, when I'm thinking of, there's two particular scenes. When they are... When Ron is at the um, speech where he first meets Patrice. Yes. And the speech is going on and it's awakening um, the black community in Colorado Springs. And how he portrays that is not just them standing up and clapping or raising their fists or saying, hell yeah, whatever. You see these gorgeous silhouetted shots of, of people, just their heads just their heads just eyes open looking up in awe taking the message in and, and having these essentially epiphanies and they become like disembodied yes because and i just had a thought as i was thinking about this it, do you know what it was sort of reminiscent of to me hmm. i was thinking about this yesterday and i was like i think this is right was this album cover um the fuji's the score me of um bohemian rhapsody 
Um, and so you have these like first. these kind of disembodied. Um, yeah. You have these disembodied heads, and, be- and and they starts off they're in their like space where their bodies are, and then it cuts away from that, and the camera kind of moves and is there. it's cut so that they're a little bit floating, and it's yeah. so good. So and and he's cast all these people in these scenes, um, with different shades of black skin mm-hmm. and and different facial features. Which I think is a very important thing that there's not this sort of uniform black experience mm-hmm. um, in this, but God, it was good. It was so gorgeous. And the, the other scene I'm thinking about is when he makes those choices. Is the very last scene of the book or of the film when Patrice and Ron hear a knock at their door. They think they've had a victory. They've taken down the KKK in their mm-hmm. town, and they you see the scene cut. And what you don't see is them, like, opening the door, but rather they're on a... They're on a dolly, On a dolly, yes. I was thinking gurney, but that is not correct. (laughs) On a dolly out in the hallway of their And the camera's also on the dolly. Yes, and it's moving with them, and they're just sliding towards something, and they're in shock, and they're in awe, and they're holding their guns out. And you finally see what they see, which is out the window so that they can see it, a burning cross. Yes purposefully so that they can see it yeah. and they know we have not won anything really no and it was very well done and that cross was like perfectly framed in that window and in the eyes of the yeah. KKK Oof. M- m- members yeah <laughs> they're members of the organization yeah. yes um no it was oh god it was good and like so uncomfortable very uncomfortable like deeply unsettling and intentionally so yes and well done in that respect as well because like by the time it was there were times when all four of us were just like oh my god like i think i said jesus christ or holy fuck a lot of times oh my god yeah so many times i know and it deserved it yes deeply deeply unsettling and and especially because we didn't know that ending no transition was coming to oh that was day. like holy shit that and was, that was like it was jarring it was very and i'd jarring. seen all that footage yes when but it happened as a news story side to side yes. to that when you're like wow this is such a cool story mm-hmm. he infiltrated the kkk it's hilarious the movie's actually hilarious it is times. really funny and then they end on that which is essentially a slap in the face to yeah. all the humor and say you know what it's not fucking funny yeah and you need to wake up. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, like, there is no subtext. No. There's zero subtext in that movie. The only subtext is no one would ever elect someone like that to lead this country, <laughs> right? And still that was racist. Which is failed. really funny. And at the end, at the end, that last scene with, like, Stallworth on the phone with David Duke <laughs> is just fucking priceless. So, and of course it's the 70s, right? So there's not even a mute button on your telephone. You can't, like, you know. So he's sitting there on his desk phone and... His, uh, the other detectives in his unit and his chief, like his sergeant or whatever, they're all sitting at his desk and he's talking to David Duke and, and at one point Duke had said to him that like, you could always tell when you're talking to a black person, mm-hmm. um, because you get uh, the way that they say certain words and the one, well, the example that he gives is the word R mm-hmm. and I'm assuming like R, like A-R-E-R and he just, the way that he pronounced it is sort of, so this is how how a white person says it and this how a black person says it. And so then at the end, Stallworth does it. And then he just, like, repeats all of these insults that Duke could like, hurled at black people. Yeah. And it is kind of incredible. It's so great. But that 
that's why the movie is so uncomfortable because you're in that spot thinking he fucking did it mm-hmm. like they he fooled David Duke people died for once yeah. the black people mm-hmm. won mm-hmm. they weren't assassinated mm-hmm. the plot was foiled mm-hmm. the people who were doing it were killed yes but then you end with the last scene and then the cut to the modern day mm-hmm. well and that it's like so so, so what so ends up happening is this this guy in the in the organization um, I mean, and it's funny too because like that's what they call it. They think it's so highfalutin. But they also know it's a whole bunch of shit by refusing to acknowledge. No, I think they do that because it's not. It's lost its cachet. Maybe, at that it's point got in time. Some negative. And they're in fucking Colorado Springs. Shit to it. It'd be different if this was like Texas. Mobile, Alabama, or whatever, right? Like, I th- you know, I think I think it might be a little bit different perspective. But, I think there's a reason for the secrecy. But Felix is one of the members it's of this organization, and he is unconvinced from the beginning about the guy who is posing as Ron Stallworth. Mm-hmm. They don't know that he's posing, but he's unconvinced, and he thinks that he's Jewish, which he is. Um, they sort of come to this; he comes to this conclusion. On his own. On his own, and figures out that Flip is is actually not Ron Stallworth. Ultimately, mm-hmm. he's got this suspicion the whole way through, and I found that really interesting. That he wasn't technically in charge, but he was definitely the one who had like the bigger following. Yeah, I find it interesting too how Felix is so concerned about blood purity, but it felt like the guy who narked on Flip. Mm-hmm. I've seen that dude play Mexicans before. Mm-hmm. I've seen that dude play Italians before. And he was definitely like an Italian yes. dude in that film. He played an Italian in, uh, he was in Blue Bloods. He was a sergeant for a while. Yeah. In Blue Bloods. So, like, what? I don't know. The divisions of whiteness are incomprehensible to yes, me. Yes, but there is of... Protestant whiteness, too, and that's the other important yes. thing. So, like, I wonder their idea of, like, Catholics. I wonder if you would have to sort of give that up in order to be part of... The KKK? Yeah. Because they said it very clearly. It was the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so there's this point where at the end where they have got this plan and they're going to blow up the house of Patrice, who's the president of the Black Students Union at Colorado College. Mm-hmm. And that's the girl that's... Um, Real Ron Starworth. Loves. Yes, that that yeah, the the police officer Ron Stallworth is in love with, and so at the same day he is like he's been assigned to be the bodyguard for David Duke while he's in Colorado Springs. Such bullshit for fake Ron Stallworth's uh, initiation <laughs> ceremony, um, and uh, they figure out there's a plan afoot, and he takes off because he knows, and so he takes off to go like save his girl ultimately. Mm-hmm. And the wife, Felix's wife, is the one who plants these explosives. And she can't get them into the mailbox. So she puts She's them, a fucking mess. She is a mess. So she puts them on the, the wheel of the car. And then she has had to call Felix. To be like, we couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And so then there's plan B. Mm-hmm. And Felix comes with the detonator. And blows himself up. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking poetic. It's incredible. Like, it's just... An incredible scene. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, in that scenario, the good guys actually won. You don't see a lot of films about 
the black people having a victory Mm-mm. over systematic oppression. Well, and and then but and then in that case, like so, you know, he, even shortly, and so Ron tries to like. Um, Ron Ron tries to arrest uh, Felix's wife Connie. Um, oh, that was her name. Yeah. Didn't you remember? Yeah, he tries name? to he tries to arrest her, and she and these other police officers come, because he's undercover, so he doesn't have his badge or anything on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, no, it's in his pocket. Oh, it's in his pocket. They won't but let they him, won't get, let it him because, get it because because anyway. And so he and it's the seventies. He's wearing the tightest fucking jeans. You like? How could you not see the life. outline of that thing? Come on. But anyway, she says that he tried to rape her and all of these things. And She's so, just screaming. And so they're trying to, they're going to arrest him. And then Flip comes and sort of... They listen to the white man. They listen to the white man, they do. And there's a great line in there about how everything's easier. You could do anything if you got a white man, Yeah, is what he says. It's so true. And, uh, like, we just kind of laughed at it, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I found that moment really interesting, actually. That, you know, Flip had, like, done all of these things and, like, hadn't bought into the KKK mm-hmm. at all. And was deeply uncomfortable with the things that he was doing, but, like, knew, understood the value of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder now, like, the real person who did that, what that was like. Oh, for sure. Like, do you know what I mean? You have like, to act that way. Yeah. And say the things that he said, which are horrible abhorrent in the least like yes. I don't even know how you could do that and we were talking about that afterwards like how do the actors process this especially when your director is Spike Lee yeah and you have to say the n-word 600 times in that movie I don't know yeah like how do you process that yeah and how do you how do you do that so that you know you come out of it the same okay yeah and come out of it well I guess not necessarily the same but like come out of it well and, and feel like you know. But I think that connects to Flip's character in the movie because he 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 is Jewish, but he doesn't feel any connectedness to Jewishness. Yes. And he talks about Not until later. Not until later, because yeah. Ron tells him, like, you've been passing. Mm-hmm. You've been passing for something that you're not, and you don't realize the privilege of that. And he really takes that in after being with the KKK reali- realizes, like, you know what, I am of this persecuted population and and maybe that's something that I need to either be closer with or or have some sort of understanding or connectedness knit with whatever yes, it is yes but it's a part of my heritage yeah and I think and yeah, I think that experience with with within that organization helped him to realize that mm-hmm. because not only I mean we associate the KKK with black people black people but it wasn't just that no. it was it was anti everything non waspy mm-hmm. right um, and so at the beginning, that Alec Baldwin scene, which kind of made me chuckle, even though it probably shouldn't have, because when he was, like, filming this commercial, this ad, ultimately, and it reminded me so much of Alec Baldwin as Jack Donahue in 30 Rock when he was doing that commercial, and it took them, like, however Eight many, hours, yeah, however many takes to do, like, 10 seconds of commercial, and it was kind of funny, but he was perfect for it. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the right age, and he had, you know, he's got the kind of, you know, that sort of very serious, like principal kind of vibe to him with those glasses and stuff and it's authoritative very much so and he just comes right out and and you know says all of these awful horrible things and you laugh and you do laugh and then at the end because the commercial is being filmed yes. and he's asking for his line everyone like it's not it's not a propaganda video it's making a propaganda video yes. and so it's kind of you, you laugh at it because you're seeing him 
make these mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then I like it how after that, Spike transitions into essentially establishing shots of Colorado, and then you have this time to think of, wait, why was I laughing? Mm -hmm. Because that was awful. Like, throughout the film, it's a deeply unsettling feeling. It's very unsettling. It's unsettling in a way that, like, I I kind of likened it to, there were certain points, especially with the, the music that they had chosen in certain parts, because um, that music didn't fit, but it fit really well. Yeah, I said it was like, blasé. Yeah, but it was very, like, incongruous with what was happening, yeah. but at the same time, it, I think it was designed that way to yeah. make you, like... A lot of, like, bass lines yeah. and bounce. Yeah. It was weird. But at the, but then you're like, because you're then you're looking at what you're seeing and what you're hearing, and you're like, those don't fit. There's something wrong with mm-hmm. this, and I think that's kind of the whole point. But it made me think that like deeply unsettling feeling. You know that sequence um, in Amistad when they're on the ship, like when the slaves are when course. the slaves are still on the ship and they mutiny. Yes. That that was that deeply unsettling feeling that I had at parts in this movie because mm-hmm. it just kind of felt like all of a sudden. You were sort of like inside somewhere and couldn't get out, especially when they were in Felix's house or in. Oh God! Like it's that, so claustrophobic. It yeah. was, and 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 the house, and I'm not sure if that house was small intentionally or if they cast big people. Like I know Adam Driver's like six foot, whatever. Like he's a big person. I think it was supposed to be feel small, but it felt very small. And they went out down into the basement, and the roof is like right over his head, and like it's just. And every time they were in there, I was just like, "This is really uncomfortable." Mm-hmm. And, and every it's meant time to be. he did that, we were like, this is a bad decision. Yes. Oh. Like, no. No. Just all the bad idea genes going on. And we were all just like mumbling, and then Ron got out of the car and started running to the house, and we were like, what the fuck, Ron? What are you Throws doing? a rock through the window. Yeah, we were like, what and are then, you doing? And then Flip, in order to like prove his, because like, Felix wants him to basically prove that he's not Jewish. Yeah. Ultimately. Um, by showing that he's not been circumcised. Mm-hmm. And literally just before, because Ron um, flips got the wire, and so Ron can hear, and so Ron like throws his big rock through the window. Yeah, runs back across the yard, gets in his car, and then Flip grabs this gun ostensibly to show Felix and the other guys that yeah, he's he's ready to be part of this, mm-hmm. um, but mostly so he doesn't shoot end him. up getting Ron killed. Yeah, um, and shoots just under the bumper. Yeah, so he misses and doesn't cause any damage. Mm-hmm. They get in a little bit of trouble. And then they kind of go back on to what they've been doing. And it's just, like, the whole thing is just really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. I read, there's one scene in the movie, we might have read this too, where all the KKK dudes are at this, like, homemade shooting range. Yeah. And all the targets are these terrible, grotesque, minstrel-esque shapes of black people mm-hmm. running. And Spike Lee didn't tell John David Washington till that day that those aren't props. They bought those off the internet. And those are real things that people in the United States mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. Fucking I know. But it's a real good movie. I know. I don't think I can watch it again. I think I could watch it again through, like, a commentary lens. Yes. Like, not just to sit down and watch it again. I don't think I could go and see it. But I, I think I could watch it again through, like, okay, I'm... Like, because I was... The other thing I was thinking about, actually, as I was watching it, were, were some of the scenes out of Inglorious Bastards. 
Mm -hmm. in that same sort of like deeply uncomfortable Mm -hmm. unsettling kind of way because there's an inescapable danger yes Mm -hmm. um but yeah I don't think yeah I don't think I could sit down and be like hey you know the movie was really good because it was it is phenomenal and you should all watch it it's required viewing it's fucking phenomenal um in today's day and age you need to see this movie Uh, yeah absolutely but I don't think I could it's kind of like in a way like Schindler's List or 12 Years a Slave. Or 12 Years a Slave. Or... Things like that. Like, I think... And, like, I know I have friends who have never seen Schindler's List. I'm like, you need to watch it. It's very important. At some it. point in time. Or, like, Life is Beautiful or Boy in the Striped Pajamas and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think... You can't just, like, sit down with a bucket of popcorn on a Friday night and just, like, watch those movies. And I no. get that. They're not the same... That, like, sort of, like, blockbuster value. Mm-hmm. Right? But I think this is a piece of art. Mm-hmm. It was incredibly well shot, too. Gorgeous. It's beautiful. Everything about it was constructed beautifully. And that's why I was a little bit... You feel off-kilter the whole time. Because what you're seeing is gorgeous. The performances are amazing. It's this Mm -hmm. weird tone of very humorous and light-hearted. Like, Ron, the whole time, just seems like this is a fucking game. Like he yeah, and he it kind of felt like it in a lot of like ways. How, how can he prank these dudes? Is essentially, but he also knows the very real danger. But then other times you get these moving, beautiful moments of like, and I think Spike was just trying to do this of like black people being happy and black like, people, black people being people. Yeah, like there's a an extended scene mm-hmm. of them dancing to a song in a bar. Mm-hmm. And it's choreographed and it's beautiful and it's them having fun and living in a space that's comfortable to them. And I don't think you see that a lot in those types of films. No, I don't think so either. And like I think taking the time to pause. Yes. To well, show and, and even like Ron Ron's hair. Yeah. Right? And and that was that became like an important part of him. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to uh, he was willing to get rid of it to be part of the police force, right? And so, um, you, but the, you know, like, just those kind of little moments. Um, and there's this beautiful scene with him and Patrice walking in a park, mm-hmm. you know, and they're on a date, ultimately. And, like, what you see first are, is their hair. Because mm-hmm. both of them have these giant afros and they're hair. gorgeous. Yeah. And then, you know, and then and it, they're talking about incredibly serious things. Yeah, but it's such a beautiful scene, and it, and like tonally, it's a little bit different. The coloring is a little bit different, and then you get back into like the things with the organization, and like it's everything's very stark and very, mm-hmm. and it's just it's incredibly well done. It is, and you really should watch it if you get the chance. Mm-hmm. Like I like Kelsey says, like required viewing for I, sure, for sure. I want it to make a lot of money. Yes, because that would mean that people will have seen it. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you see what it has like on Rotten? Pretty high, I think. Cause if it isn't a near damn perfect film, I don't know. Like I was thinking about this while I was watching it. It's at times more educational than any film I've ever seen. Ninety six. Yeah. Like, thank God. Yeah, 96. It's, it's gotta be. 96. It's got 7.9 on IMDb and 82 on Metacritic, too. That's pretty high for Metacritic. Pretty high. What's audience score? Uh, 90, on Google? Uh, audience score. Google, Google users is 92%. Oh, 
yeah, on it's, Rotten. It's stunning. Audience is seventy nine. Really? That's probably just because it's it's hard to digest. Yeah, and if you're if you're looking at it, you don't feel happy when you leave. Not at all. So I think that's why it might be a little bit lower. Like you know, basically the critic consensus here is Black Klansman uses history to offer bitingly trenchant commentary on current events mm-hmm. and brings out some of Spike Lee's hardest hitting work in decades along the way, and that's very true. Oh, absolutely apt. That's um, absolutely true. God, he's great. He is so good. Yeah. He's he's phenomenal. His still best performance, I believe, is in the Reggie Miller documentary. Yeah. The Thirty for Thirty. It is fucking amazing. It, it, it is pretty good. Um, <laughs> oh, Reggie. Just trying to look here. At what? At Spike Lee's stuff. Because he's done some really good stuff. He's done some really bad stuff, too. He has. Some of his stuff is garbage. But, like, Love and Basketball is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. Have you ever seen it? Mm-mm. It's so good. I'm trying to think what work. Can you just list his filmography quickly? Uh, I'm gonna look at it better. Because he did like a non sort of political film, like a popcorn one. Yeah. F- a few years ago. I'm trying to think of what it was called. Um, okay. Was it like a bank robbery? Filmography. He did, okay. Inside Man? He did do Inside Man. Okay, I've seen Inside Man. Okay, so he has done uh, School Days, Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, which is also phenomenal. Um, Get on the Bus, Four Little Girls, He Got Game. Have you seen He Got Game? Mm -hmm. Real good. You like it. Um, Summer of Sam. Would Chris like it? He Got Game? Yeah, probably. Coach Carter. Well, it's, uh, it's Denzel. Okay. And oh wait, is that the one with Lynn uh, Ray Allen? Yeah, I've seen that. Jesus Shadowsworth. That's good. Of course, I've seen. He got game. Okay, uh, I've seen three Spike films. Okay, he did. Uh, I can't remember if this is the one. He did. She hate me with Anthony Mackie, which was pretty good. I like that one. Um, Miracle at Saint Anna, which was not great. Um, when the levees broke, mm-hmm. he did that, which was a phenomenal yeah. documentary. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Um, Black Klansman, Red Hook Summer. He's done lots of really good stuff. I think I'm not as versed in his shit. It's not shit, but you know what I mean. His his style of filmmaking because it can be hard to watch. Yeah. And I think it can be. It it can be at times difficult to die and it's supposed to be that's what he's doing yeah but when you're just looking for a movie to watch yeah like you're talking about this isn't this one is that not you sit that. down with a bucket of popcorn even though we did yeah and i had popcorn for breakfast <laughs> this is no and this is like very much like a it's a mainstream yeah purpose mm-hmm. more so perhaps than other things not inside man because i think that was definitely him just trying to make a blockbuster like, this is what you people want? A crime drama of yeah. white people? But yeah, it was... Not his best work. It was, uh, but yeah, this was good. And you should all see it. I would give it... 5 out of 5. Well, I'd give it 69 out of 69. I was gonna say 5 out of drivers out of 5. It's <laughs> just, like, where I'm going with you that. You know what? I think Adam Driver was okay in it. 
we had a conversation yesterday on the way back here uh, about whether or not he's ever made a bad film, and I think the answer is no. From the things that I've seen. his filmography, please. Oh my god! Thank you. <laughs> While you are you are ridiculous. doing that, and we can assess that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's briefly discuss. It's not going to be brief. It's going to be a fucking hour. This amazing other film. No, I have it. I have it right here. Okay, you have it. J. Edgar. Uh, Link. He was in Lincoln. He was in Lincoln. He did not waving with drowning. He was in Francis Ha, which was Noah Baumbach. Which yeah. have you seen it? No, it's really good. It's Greta, right? Uh, no. No. Francis Ha is Noah Baumbach. No, she's in it though, isn't she? Oh yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he did, was in Bluebird, Inside Lewin Davis. I Tracks. hate that movie. Have you seen Tracks? No. It was pretty good. It's about. It's like a memoir of a an author. I can't remember her name. Um, who took a nine-month journey across the Australian desert on camels. Oh. And he's, he was very good in it. He's in a movie called Hungry Hearts, which is really good. Uh, While We're Young, another Noah Baumbach, which was pretty good. Um, this is Where I Leave You. I feel like I've seen it. That's with, like, Tina Fey and uh, Jason Bateman and... Oh, and their dad dies. Yeah, they... which it's... I quite like it. I quite enjoy that, those, like, ensemble family sort of things. Dark drama. Yeah. Dark comedies. And then he was in the little movie called Star Wars Force Awakens. <laughs> and then one called Last Jedi. Uh, Patterson, where he's a bus driver, which is really great. You should watch that. Okay. It's really good. Have you seen every single movie of his? I've seen a number of them, but not intentionally. Like, Silence, that was not an intentional thing. I just watched it because I was intrigued by it. Have you seen it? It's no. on Netflix. I know it is, but I looked at the running time. Yeah, it's long. It's real long. It's uh, almost three hours. Yeah, it's like fucking Lawrence of Arabia, where but, I watched it and I fell asleep for an hour. Yeah, it's pretty good. And um, I woke up and he was still fucking in the desert, not at his destination. Uh, Logan Shit. Lucky, which we talked about yesterday. He was good in Logan Lucky, even though it's <laughs> acting against God. I can't remember what you called Chatting Tatum, but it was funny. A sack of white flour. Right. <laughs> um, and then there, he was in The Man Who Killed uh, Don Quixote, which I've heard terrible things about, because um, it's a Terry Gilliam movie, so of course it's probably not very good, let's be honest here. Uh, and then he's in two coming up, um, one called The Torture Report, which I don't know anything it's about. It's a bad title. It is a bad title. Uh, the premise, oh, it's, it surrounds the, no, it's fine. It surrounds the CIA's extreme interrogation methods following September 11th attack, so that makes sense. Sure, but it's a shitty title. Yeah, uh, and then there's one, it's another Noah Baumbach movie that he's in, so clearly that's his favorite, and then a movie called The Dead Don't Die. It's a comedy zombie film. Want to hear the the cast? The cast might make it worth it, because Bill Murray's in it. Also, Tilda Swinton. Whoa. And Steve Buscemi. Whoa. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that seems great, and he's a police officer in that. Oh, okay. Top build. And then also Star Wars Episode Nine, which I'm sure will be fucking wonderful. Yeah, can't wait. Suck it, fanboys. Um, okay, we have another thing we need to talk about, which Kelsey watched yesterday twice, and I've watched... It's okay. I watched it, like, Sunday and Monday, so it's okay. And the only reason it was Sunday and Monday is because I watched it, like, Sunday night at, like, 10. Uh-huh. And then Monday at, like, oh, 9 in the morning. Oh, I just watched it straight up back to back. Um, so... I don't even think I peed in between. Like, I just straight up watched it back to back. So, there's a movie on Netflix... It's called To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And it is a goddamn delight. It's a perfect romantic comedy. It is. It t- I was trying to think if there was another romantic comedy that I have ever watched that has been so, like, 
uniquely satisfying. I don't think so. The only thing that even, like, approaches it is probably You've Got Mail in that same way. See, I like Sleepless in Seattle better. I like You've Got But even Sleepless in Seattle leaves question marks. Like, they just meet at the end, and that's it. Which is why You've Got Mail is, to me, at the end, a little bit more satisfying. But, But, like, this movie is just perfect. It truly is. And it's a... uh, Like, I think I was telling Larissa yesterday, I wish I had this movie as a teen. Yeah. Because I think it informs you a lot about what teen relationships can be in a healthy and in a toxic way. Yes. And you can you can see them starkly side by side. And I think even who someone who doesn't have like adult relationship experience will be able to recognize, you know what, what Josh is doing to her is actually pretty gross. Kind of gaslighting a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And for her to just be like, no, I can't talk to you right now. And just mm-hmm. to walk away is I think really powerful mm-hmm. to have in a teen movie where the girl is like, I'm not going to put up with your shit and you're making me feel bad right now. I think it's really informative. Um, so the premise of this amazing movie that I watched twice in six hours. No, three hours, because it's only... Megan, this is the only time I wished a movie was longer. Really? The only time, my God, it's only... It's a tight hour 39. How dare they? How dare they? Okay. But it's about this uh, 16-year-old girl, Laura Jean Song Covey. Yeah. And her obsession in love and relationships is with the fictional sort. Oh, which is like so much my jam. Like I was like, I, yeah. She's, you know, reading bodice ripper trash novels all day. And every time she has a really powerful crush, yeah. what she'll do is she'll write a love letter to that person to um, process all those feelings and get those feelings down. And put a cap on it. And put a cap kind on of, it. Yeah. And, and she puts them away and and says okay this is how I was feeling in this time in my life likes to return to them every once in a while to revisit those yeah. powerful feelings yeah. of emotion but it but she also gets to keep them away so they're not yes. sitting there kind of lingering no they're just little parts of herself yeah. and i i like that part of the movie like some i was talking to some people who were like that's ridiculous why would she do that but it's for her it's a checking in because yeah. she has trouble processing emotions and a lot of that comes from the death of her mother as a child. Mm-hmm. And so when she feels these powerful things that she feels are love, she needs to understand what they mean and how they make her feel. Yes, absolutely. And I... And I think part of it, too, is, like, she's got an older sister. Yes. She's a couple years older, and her dad seems pretty good. Yeah. Like, he's wonderful. He is. But he's her dad. Yeah. And it's not her mom. And her sister, I think, you know, has is sort of, like, the mom of the family in so many ways and I think that like part of that she doesn't want to like burden her anymore Mm -hmm. but also her sister is young too and might also not have all the answers and so this is her way of sort of dealing with her feelings and it's a lot healthier than like a lot of people that I know so hey there we go yeah Yeah. so her her sister ends up going away to college she breaks up with her boyfriend who's next door who used to be Laura Jean's best friend yes and Laura Jean's younger sister, Kitty, is the fucking greatest being on the goddamn planet. She's 11, and she's got a more diverse social life than Laura Jean does. And she's in high school. She should be partying. 
So Kitty decides to mail all these letters. And, and the reason she does it, her justification is legit. It's fair. She's just like, I thought it was kind of sad that like you were sitting at home with me watching yeah. whatever when I had to cancel plans to hang out with you. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I'm it's, 11. It's so harsh when she finds out because she was like, I thought with five there'd be a better chance. <laughs> It's really funny. So she sends out these five letters that have been addressed and are ready to go. And Laura Jean has no idea until the recipients of the letters start essentially accosting her. Yes. In daylight. Is Peter the first one? Mm-hmm. So Peter Kravinsky. Let's just talk about Peter for a second Let's here. Let's talk about Peter. So Kelsey watched this movie twice yesterday and it was amazing because she texted me. Uh, oh boy as she was watching and i kind of wish that like i had known someone who had watched it when i watched it so i could have done the same thing yeah do you remember a long time ago where we did the question on the podcast would you rather have like your internet history published than your texts internet history yes this is the situation yeah. in which i'm not gonna read all of the things that you said but i'm just thank you i, I promise i won't i would never it was I, all shouting in caps locks wasn't it not all of it so this is what um, this is how it starts. Nope, that's not how it starts. I was like, that's a totally different thing. Let's not read that one out. Um, because also autocorrect sucks, and so Kelsey always sends me, uh, ducking instead of fucking. Which and I is, don't even care. And I know what it is. It's fine. Yeah. So there's a couple things, and so, so Largie, and she has to, like, you know, deal with her feelings and stuff. But the very first thing... Kelsey sends me yesterday is oh my ducking god when Lara Jean rolls off the roof she's a ducking disaster I love it and it's true she is because she has no idea how to like deal with her feelings no but then Peter Peter shows up Peter Kravinsky shows up while she's running on the track mm-hmm. in gym class I think I don't understand how schools ever work on movies because no. it seems like people are on like lunch but also in class and I don't get it Anyway, he shows up because he's gotten this letter, and they kissed at a party. When they were in grade seventh seven. grade, <laughs> so and it, according to the memory, was not was not much of anything for him. For him, yeah. In the flat, it, it was everything for her. But in even in the flashback, it was not. It wasn't much it of was a, a kiss. Peck. It really Spin was. Spin the bottle. And she peck. clearly had a crush on him, and like obviously she had a crush on him because we both have a crush on him, and he's not even real. No. <laughs> And, uh... The problem with that, though, is that the, her best friend at the time, Jen... Yes. Genevieve... Oh, she's the worst. ...had a crush on Peter. And rather than her spin the bottle again, which she said, I'll spin the bottle again, Peter's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, essentially, you must do what the bottle... Yeah, yeah. So she kisses like, and they kiss and then Jen's Jen pissed. Like, and then I think that's probably when they stop being friends. Yeah. Would be that point in time. So, Peter comes up to her and is like, um, yeah, I'm, like, super flattered, but, like... It's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Because then him and Jen just break up? Yeah. Yeah, like, just, like, a couple days before. And they dated for, like, years. Yeah. So, he's, you know, not ready to, like, be back out there or whatever. And then, all of a sudden, she kind of realizes, like, he's got the... She sees the letter in his hand. She's like, oh, fuck. And then she sees Josh coming towards him, so she, like, jumps on top of Peter and kisses him. No, she faints first. Yes, well, <laughs> sure. And then she jumps on top of Peter and kisses him, which she's Josh coming. And he's like, oh. And she's just like, I just, Josh just didn't need to know that, yeah. Or didn't need really, to think. it was like, yeah. I didn't want to deal with Josh at the moment. And you were right here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Just in general, thank you for living, Peter Kravinsky. <laughs> it's more or less what she should have said. It's not yeah. what she said. Um, but then they decide... Kate, Megan, though, 
how could she possibly like Josh more than Peter? Like in that moment? No, in general. Because Peter was that Peter was unavailable. Peter. So was Josh. Yeah, but Josh was Josh only was under, dating her older but, sister. But not for this. Not for as long as Peter was dating Jen. True. But she pined for Josh. Of course she did, because Josh was her best friend, and her best friend who she wanted to, ugh, whatever, yeah. gross. Um, but and Josh, I'm sure when they were younger, was fine, right? Like really and truly, like those little those little vignettes of like them when they were just friends before, yeah. just fine. Mm-hmm. But then I think it just became difficult. Anyway, so <laughs> she kisses Peter, and her life has changed like irrevocably. Because Peter's got a plan. Yeah, Peter does have a plan to make Jen jealous so that she'll want him back, and that's to pretend to be dating someone else, and that someone else happens to be Laura Jean. And, like, the little Tumblr post thing that you sent me, someone was, like, pouring the coffee right into the cup. I was like, that is 100% what I want. Just more of it. Oh, their rules are hilarious. Oh my god, so funny. She's so inexperienced. Yep. She writes up a contract for their fake relationship. Which is amazing. No kissing. No kissing. No. And her point is very valid, and I thought it was quite touching, and she's very aware of herself. She was like, if this is going to be fake, I can't have all my firsts be, be fake. fake. Yeah. And he's, like, disappointed. He is disappointed. He's like straight he up disappointed. caught him interested in her, even though it's just fake. Because it's not just fake. It's not just fake. No. No. Peter wears his heart right on his sleeve. He does. And it's great. He, so, no kissing. No kissing. He has to drive her to school. He has to drive her and Kitty, yeah, sister, to her sister, to school. And he'll, he's going to write her notes every day. Yeah, she has to go to lacrosse. And the fucking place. notes that he writes her are adorable. Uh, how could she not read them? Well, because they're fake. What did she think? There was just nothing inside. Or just like, you know, class notes or what I, you know what I mean? That's a fair assumption. But still, they have like, they... At that point, I think they have a legitimate, like, friendship brewing. I think so, too. Like, they talk to each other very easily. They talk about some pretty deep stuff. His father leaving and her mom dying and how that makes them feel. And yeah. They share conversations they've never shared with other people before. Yeah. But not right at the beginning. Not right at the beginning. But no. over time, yeah. you would assume that it would become a legitimate friendship. <laughs> but unfortunately... Ugh, feelings get in the way as they always do. They really do. So my question for you is, when do you think Peter legitimately is falling for her? When he takes the scrunchie out of her hair. And then like the the photos and things, when he like when he makes her that picture of her, his like phone background. First party? Yeah. I think he's already because then she's talking to what's his face, Lucas. Yeah, and he like he's promised her dad like no drinking and whatever, and but and he's and he's like kind of jealous that she's spending time with people who aren't him at this party. I don't know. I think he just had that bad conversation with Jen, and he's like, I made Jen angry, but she has the power position. I fucked up, so let's get the fuck out of here. Maybe so, but then then at the diner. Mm-hmm. Then I think that's when they have their like first sort of real, right? And he's disappointed that she says the fake faking. Oh yeah. yeah. So like it was sometime around then. I think I very strongly believe it was when he took the scrunchie out of her hair. Can we talk about when he's like spins her around the cafeteria for a second though? Sure. Just for a minute. 
That I'm we're coming back to the hot tub though. Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> fine. The, we could talk for an hour about the hot tub. I'm sure. <laughs> Should we point out again? This is a movie about high school kids. But they're. <laughs> I know. But the actors are not. We're they're okay. In their 20s. We're fine. I looked it up. I'm fine. <laughs> While you were watching? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the first time and the second time just to be sure. Just <laughs> in case changed in the middle. So, uh, so yeah, they've agreed to have, like, no... So she, and she has to sit with him at lunch, too. Mm-hmm. And then, like, one of his... Go on the ski trip. Go on the ski trip if they're still together. And she's like, wait a second. We're not. It's like three trip. months from now. And that was his idea. Yeah. Not hers. And so, like, he had a plan that this was going to take some time, and that's fine. But, like, three months is still a long time to, like, fake date somebody. So here's my question. Why doesn't he just say, let's date? Why doesn't he pursue her for real? Because I think he's aware that she's terrified. I think so. Because she is. But then two weeks in, why couldn't he be like, you know what? Fuck Jen. Not fuck Jen, but... Yeah. No, I know. I I know. I understand. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a high school boy. I do not know. I spend lots of time with them, but I do not understand how their brains work. No, neither. Okay, um, but the cafeteria. So so the first is like the right after they like make this plan, yes. and so he come, and she says she agrees that he can put his hand in her back pocket, and he's that like, was her what? idea. Yes, and she's like, what is this? Like, and then one of their deals was that he had to watch Sixteen Candles. And she had to watch Fight Club. Oh my god, and when he was like, you've never seen Fight Club, I wanted to throw yeah. my drink at the TV yeah. and just be like, fucking white men, Fight Club is not a great movie. But then, he had also never seen Sixteen Candles, and that scene was all really great too. But, but, she says that he can put his hand in her back pocket, and he does. And she is not expecting it, and that whole scene is incredible. Because he uses her back pocket to, to spin, spin her, her around. around and into his arms. Yeah. And if that's not the cutest fucking shit I've ever seen in goddamn life, I just know. saccharine sweet. Oh, so adorable. I had I a sugar it. overdose. I loved it. It was beautiful. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's really great. But I was quite afraid of his intentions because as soon as I found out he played r- lacrosse <laughs> you did oh my god he plays lacrosse run <laughs> I did say run 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 Laura I don't trust him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what he said something along those lines oh my god that's really funny um, but yeah, so, and then that's like, they're, that's like, they're like the caf- part of the cafeteria crowd now, right? Like, and so they're, they're, there's, the, there's some cachet that's involved with, you know, her being with him. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jen sees and it makes Jen jealous and, you know, which is the goal. But then over the course of however long this goes on, and we know it's at least three months from the time this starts until the ski trip. Um, they both develop like genuine feelings for each other. And she's really struggling with that. Yes. Because her main concern is not about the feelings itself. What she's worried about is that he doesn't reciprocate them. Yes, and if you let someone in, it's easier for them to walk out of your life. And she's not wrong. No, but and it's fair for someone who's had, like, your mother die. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And... For sure. But, how could she not know? Well, because all of her, like ideation about it is all like fictional characters but he's doing everything and none of what he's doing feels fake no i know like but after she does, that party but she doesn't know after that. that party 
he could have just fucking dropped her off and been like, good work today, see you Monday, and yeah. not talk to her. Yeah. And he did say, he's like, you did good today, but they went for they whatever. They conversations. Yeah. They talked about feelings, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And then he was, like, crestfallen when she's like, yeah, we're just, I'm not scared to, and this is why, this yes. is why he doesn't say anything to her, because he says, she says that she's not afraid of him, uh-huh. because it's, it's fake. fake. And that's why he doesn't say anything. And he's crushed. You and see, he's, he's you crushed. see it on his face, but he doesn't want to upset that. But if it was fake, why do they have dinner with each other's families? There's no reason to do that. I suppose. If it's fake. There's I, absolutely no reason. Uh, I suppose, yeah. Except, except, he shows up at her place to take her to a party, and he's driving her to school every day. Mm-hmm. And so her dad is, you know what I mean? So but they have to. you know. Sure. Yeah. But there's no reason... For Fair enough. Her to go over to his family. No, that's true. And and the mom's like, oh, we've heard so much about you. Yeah. We hear you have three, like, there's three girls in your home. That's mostly. Yeah. Like, how wonderful! I wish I had three girls. Like. Yeah. That whole conversation, and when the mom, Peter's mom, slips out that, oh, your mom must love having daughters. Yeah. Peter's so, so concerned about this mention of Laura's mother. Yeah. How does she not know? I don't know. I didn't write the script. But when does she figure it out, Megan? When does she figure it out? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, in the hotel for sure. Yeah? Uh, Before the hot tub? I think Lucas... Points her in the right direction? Points her in the right direction. Yeah. And she realizes at the hot tub. Because she was just like... Oh, does she? (laughs) (laughs) She really does. She really does. Yeah. And then, of course, because the fucking teenagers, oh, someone takes a video of them. Can we talk for a second? Yes, please. As Aaron pointed out, how is he alone in that hot tub? Because he's moping. He's a teenager. But how is there nobody else there? I think it's after hours. Maybe so. So then why does Lucas tell her that he's probably waiting in the hot tub for you right now? I think Lucas knows about it. I think Lucas either saw it or was in on it or whatever. Somehow. But I think it's also a trope. Of course it is. Like a romantic trope would be to be in the hot tub together. Yes. But also they've been skiing all day. I imagine that's where someone goes to unwind. But probably. If one skis. But anyway, so they go in the hot tub and she doesn't have a bathing suit. No. She goes in her nightgown. God, she's such an old lady. She really is an old lady. It's a hot nightgown though. But still. I was like, I'm, where, where, where can I buy that? <laughs> but anyway, so she goes in. And they, like, make out for real. Uh-huh. And... And that's a big deal for her. For her, it's a huge deal. Because she, she said she didn't want that to be... Physical stuff means a lot to her. Yes. And so someone takes a video of them. Uh-huh. And so, which, which unbeknownst to us even, but then the next morning, when they get on the bus, there's all this applause. Uh-huh. And, he, and he doesn't know. No. Either. And he's like, oh, that's just how people are with couples on the ski trip, whatever. It's no big deal. And then he, like, falls asleep on her shoulder on the way back, and everything's fine, and then she discovers Mm -hmm. that there's a video. And she hasn't told her older sister about any of this. No. For a whole bunch of reasons, which are dumb, mostly. But anyway, um, when Margot comes home for Christmas, this is sort of when everything unravels. Mm -hmm. And uh, Largin finally figures out that she has real feelings for him and thinks that he's still faking. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, like, breaks up. I know. I know. What I was a little bit disappointed by is because 
she said she keeps saying and this is because of fucking Jen interfering and saying shit that's not true and of course she's so inexperienced that she's gonna believe Jen rather than Peter and not even listen to him but um or not understand Jen's motivations at all but I was a little bit disappointed that the acting choice of Peter to say you are never second best was so resigned was so Mm -hmm. almost whispered but I think no but I also think that maybe he said it that way because he was just sort of like well I'm not going to change your mind so yeah I just this is just like the thing I need to say Mm. without like making a big scene because he does as much as he enjoys the attention he doesn't really like the attention either you can kind of tell Yes, that's true. Right. And, and and I think part of his deal is that he's, like, kind of a little bit... Insecure. Well, he's insecure, but he's also a lot more sensitive than, like, his, like, lacrosse captain persona would give away. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, making the big scene out of everything, mm-hmm. I think... Because he did it once, right? He did that and, and tried to, like, defend her and whatever. Like, nothing and it was happened. a mess. And it was just an absolute mess, because he did not say the right things. And of course he didn't. He's a 16-year-old boy. Um, but, like, I, I just think that, like, he doesn't like the attention, and so that was his way of sort of just telling her the thing that he needed to say without, like, the big mm-hmm. histrionics that go with it. Right. So why does he let it go on so far? Why doesn't he just say? Like, especially with the ski trip. Because he's a teenage boy, Kelsey. And <sighs> we... He's got this girl mm-hmm. he's super into. Mm-hmm. And as long as he keeps pretending that he's not really into her, she'll stay with him. That's why. But why does he believe she's going to run? Because she's said that she's afraid because, because they're pretending. She's not afraid because they're pretending. And so I think... So as soon as that subterfuge is gone... Then he's afraid... They're afraid of the same of fucking thing! Of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> Um, Stupid goddamn teens. But what I liked about it, too, is that he had, like, raw emotion about it. Yeah. Which was nice. He was very upset. She was just like, well, it doesn't matter. And he was like, no, this did matter to me. Yeah. And you hurt me. Yeah. Because you didn't sit with me on the bus. I know. Like, (laughs) on a level of one to that, imagine being that petty. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, never mind. (laughs) I can't imagine that, because that is 100% me. Um, oh god, it was just so delightful. I loved everything about it. It was just so fun. I just want to repeat a few of my texts. Okay, I'll let you. you. I'll let you choose those ones. The ones that I feel are okay, still questionable. Um, I said, why does he have bedroom eyes all the time? That's true. That's true. And then later on, I hate this. And then immediately, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then... Nope, nothing else is appropriate. Nope. <laughs> no, there are, there are a lot of things that <laughs> you said that are not... Although you did say that in the beginning you were very on board with Josh. I was. That was before I'd met Peter. Of course, and I kind of was too, because that was the assumption that that's who she was going to end up with, because of course she was, right? And then by the end, I was like, don't fucking tell me she ends up with Josh. Yeah. He's a moody, (laughs) shitty dude. Yeah. He tries. Yeah. He tries. 
Yeah, so if you need, like, a really nice, like, happy, feel-good romantic comedy mm-hmm. that you will watch twice <laughs> in the span of 12 hours for both of us, mm-hmm. do that one. Almost three. Like, I had to tell myself, no, Kelsey, <laughs> you need to pack. Uh, yeah. You're not ready to go on this trip. So, yeah, tell the boys I've loved before. Also based on a book, so mm-hmm. there's a trilogy. Can't wait. But they're all real good. I hope mm. there's more movies. Oh my god, Megan, if there's more movies. <laughs> Can't fucking wait. So good. But the, the really good thing about this book, too, is that it's an Asian yes. protagonist. Yes. Asian family. Yeah, and like their and their dad is white. Like, yes. so and, and he like tries to make Korean food, and it just goes horribly wrong. And it's great, and it's, you know, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. All of it is lovely. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, there's so many good things about the dad, and there's just, it's too inside. I can't even. Yeah. It's not. So, anyway, watch this movie and tell us what you think. Watch this fucking movie. Then there's like BuzzFeed posts about, like, Tumblr posts about it, and then there's like a quiz, and can can you rig it so that Peter is your soulmate? Yes, you can. Yes, you can, and we both did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Again, happily married. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling somebody that I had watched this movie. And he says, that sounds like something I would hate. And then he was like, that also sounds like something you would hate. And I was like, oh, no, sir. You have no idea. No, sir. How much I love these things. And I said to him, I was like, remind me to tell you sometime about my favorite kind of summer reading. (laughs) Fucking hell. Because, like, this was, like, this was 100% the movie version of, like, for me, like, a beach book. Yeah, absolutely. And I fucking loved it. What is upsetting? I'm trying to look for a Buzz, BuzzFeed quiz that I want you to do. Uh-oh, okay. Um, and what's upsetting to me is that we sent, like, mo- memes from this movie back to each other. It was so fucking delicious. But BuzzFeed had the fucking audacity <laughs> to have one that said, recast the film. No! And I was like, no! No! How could you? It was perfect! Yeah. I'm gonna recast Peter Kavinsky. So one of the one of the (laughs) one of the things here Mm -hmm. that I think one of the the tweets about it or Tumblr posts or whatever was um, (laughs) one of the tweets was funny. Someone googled how old the actor who played Peter was during his first scene, just again to make sure that he was old enough to lust after. I oh immediately. (laughs) I was like, who is this guy? Um, but was that, his name is Noah Centineo, and one of the, my favorite ones was just like, Noah Centineo could hit me with his car, and I would say thank you. <laughs> uh, I would say thank you. I love the ones that are like, <laughs> his only lines are, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there's already a super cut of Whoa, whoa, Kobe. Whoa, whoa. There's like already like a, there's already like a super cut of. And I'm that. sure it's like a minute 30 long. Oh, probably. It's amazing. But loop it forever and I'll die. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, should we point out happily married and going to see her husband two nights? And like super excited, been alone for a while. <laughs> uh, did you find that quiz? No. Oh, what is it? It's it's like a Marvel. Is it a Marvel soulmate one? No. Because I did that one, Captain America, no problem. No, it's harder oh, okay. than that. It's like a... It's a would you rather. Son of a fucking... The answer, always bearded cap. I don't know why this is... No, Megan, it's harder than that. I promise you. And I was going to do it, and I was like, oh, no, I need to save this. Um, Can you maybe find a question or something? Yeah, I do have some questions. Mike sent us some questions. Um, The following directors have to make a hockey movie. Okay? 
Okay. So here are our directors. Steven Spielberg, Spike Lee, Catherine Bigelow, Michael Bay, David Cronenberg, and Christopher Nolan. What, who or what do they make their movies about? For each one? Yeah. Okay, Spielberg, well, okay, Steven just Spielberg. Just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. Spielberg, yeah. Spike Lee, Catherine Bigelow. Wait. Michael Bay. David Cronenberg. And Christopher Nolan. Steven Spielberg makes one about the last time the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, there's something about Spielberg that has to do with legacy. Yes. I think Spike Lee, it has to do with some sort of, like, Willie O'Ree. I think that would be his... Yeah, or, like, Dustin Bufflin's, like, biopic or something sure. like that. Sure. It's yeah. gotta be a biopic, and it's yeah. gotta be about... I think it would be, yeah, Willie O'Ree's a good one. American there you go, yeah, yeah. Uh, Catherine Bigelow is gonna make... The Haley Wickenheiser movie. That's... She doesn't really do female-centric things, but I want her to. Okay. But it's not going to be that. No, it would be... Like, corruption... Catherine Bigelow makes the sort of untold story of the Richard Riot in 1955. yes. That's a good one. Um, Michael Bay. Oh, fuck off. It's something I'd say about Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, sure. The Patrick Kane story. Something like that. Something awful. David David Cronenberg idea though. Oh, if David Cronenberg doesn't make a movie about like the trade, no, the nineteen eighties Oilers, I would be so disappointed. That's true. That like super like film noir look at just all of the coke that flew through there. The bright colors. Yes. Yes. The fur jacket. Christopher Nolan makes the movie about the trade. You think so? Oh yes. I was thinking that or something like, and. I'm not referring to the Gretzky trick. Oh, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> Everyone who listens to this knows 100% See, what we're talking about, probably especially those people in Kingston. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, do not remind me that that exists. I'm uncomfortable. I love it. I think he could also really do an interesting look at uh, something that has something to do with nationalism. Maybe, yeah. Uh, because of the way I was thinking about the trade, though, is, like, how, you know how Inception ends with the thing? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the movie, it'll be, like, all of the lead-up, but it won't be the trade itself. It'll be, like, reaching for the phone, and that'll be how it fades to black. Or, Boom, done. No, it'll be the two teams meeting again. Ah, yes. But that's it. That's where it stops. Right. Okay, are you ready? I had another one, though. Shit. Um, that's the... I'd like to see Catherine Bigelow's take on that. Okay. Because I see it very, like... Um, a lot of close-ups on the phone. Yeah. Fast pace, back and forth, quick cuts. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. think she could do that really well. Okay, are you ready? If the Oilers had a shitty host band, what would be the best name? I have four choices. Okay. They're really great. Are you ready? Yeah. No Direction. <laughs> Blink 082. The f- the 4x4 four four Seasons. Or Some 141. <laughs> oh my god. Is this Mike? Yeah. Mike, you're a literal genius. You're a literal genius. Um, How? How do you do this? I don't know. I am in awe <laughs> of your genius. Oh, the shitty house band, the best name. I think I think the most ironic name would be No Direction. Yeah, I but really I feel like it would actually, someone for one. I think it would actually be called The 4x4 four four Seasons, because I think that's what it would end up being called. To cater to yeah. the demographic? <laughs> Yes. I think that Blink-082 is a little too on the nose <laughs> for people. Uh, and some 141, only, like, the smartest of us would get it. 
That's true. Like us. And Mike. God damn it. Mike. I have another one, but I'm gonna leave it till the end. <laughs> so you know what it's about. Fucking Jamie Bell. <laughs> that's what it's about. Uh, Jesus. Okay. This isn't my quiz, but it's got a very enticing headline. What is it? Um, these would you rather Marvel men sex questions are impossible to answer. <laughs> well, all right then. It's not the one I wanted to do. But okay, in I a have pinch. other questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody sent us a thing here. By the way, your poll about Gatsby. Yeah. A screenshot. When it was sixty-nine percent for absolutely fucking. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Uh, uh, Rachel. Somebody think? was watching that too. closely, and I fucking tip my hat to you. Okay. Um. What else? Questions. Okay. Tyler's question. Mm-hmm. You're in your office with the door closed. You try and open the door, and it doesn't open, and you discover the doorknob is broken. What is your state of mind? After 15 minutes, or 30 minutes, or 45, an hour, you're stuck in there a total of 75 minutes. At what point have you lost your mind, I think is what he's asking. See, what, this is Tyler? Yeah. What Tyler doesn't understand is my capacity to avoid and not engage with conflict. So, if I just had to be in a room and just, like, wait to be found, I can do that. I did that once when I worked for the city. We used to have these emergency preparedness things at the facilities, and we had a storage room at the pool that I worked at that no one ever remembered to check during those, and I was always, like, a bystander or, like, a a patron or whatever, because I only worked once in a while. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for one of them, we had two situations. It was a six-hour in-service. I sat in that back fucking room for, like, five hours because nobody found me. And what did you do? I had a book and a light on. Mm-hmm. And if they had thought the light when the light was on, the little the light switch was outside the room, and so when the light was on, it would light up. No, oh. yeah, it would turn off, and it was when it was off, the light oh, would turn on. No one ever thought to check. So yeah, my friend Ashley and I sat in there for like five hours, and like had a nap. Yeah, like I would only get super concerned if I had to go to the washroom, right? Or if like it was an odd hour. It was like during business hours, I'd be fine. Yeah. Um, Amanda replies with a screen cap um, from Andrew Shaw, and it says Andrew Shaw called Brendan Gallagher a monkey butt. Please discuss. <laughs> I'd rather not. So no. But thanks, Amanda. What time is it? Five fifteen. That was mm-hmm. a question from Tyler. Why do we have to wait until October for Riverdale? Tyler also asks because Riverdale is garbage. It probably should be October of never. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'm not Tyler. I'm not sure if I'm gonna watch. Not sure. They just they lost me. I'd like to see the Sabrina because that one looks darker, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be supernatural. And I'm into that shit, so I might watch that one. Um, this is not really a question, but here is your chance to sigh about David Daples. Here's your look. Good. Um, from Amanda FMK. Ready? Mm-hmm. Summer days, mm-hmm. summer nights, and fall. You kill the summer days in the grand scheme of things. Because, especially this summer, they were too dang hot. You marry the summer nights? You marry the fall. 
Mm, I disagree. I love the fall. I would fuck the summer days. I would... You'd kill the fall? No, no, no. Because if you're going to marry the summer nights, Mm -hmm. and you're going to fuck the summer days, that means you're going to kill the fall. That's how the game works. I'm going to kill the fall. I do like fall. It's my favorite. Good sunsets. That aren't at like... 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. If you had to assign a dog breed to each hockey team in the NHL, which breed would they be and why? We don't have time for this. <laughs> um, the Oilers would be a mutt. And I don't care about the rest. No. No. Um, Mark Edward Vlasic now has an Instagram account, and he posted a thing with his dogs, and of course Amanda was like, thoughts on this? And I was like, it's a hockey player with dogs. Happy. Very happy. Just happy. And cute dogs. Cute dogs. Uh, Drew has a question for you. Oh. Did you eat Vegemite when you were in Australia? I did not. Okay. Wasn't offered it anywhere. It's actually pretty good. I didn't, I don't mind it. I've had it before. It's fine. Ironically. Oh, uh, here's a question from Amanda that I missed. Are you ready? Would Jamie Ben ever be able to figure out how many licks it takes to get to, to, get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> uh, no. Jamie Ben would, uh, just he, bite into that thing. He'd bite it and chew it because he's a fucking monster. <laughs> and I bet he's a popsicle biter too. Ice cream cones. Everything. Oh. Just the the feeling? I, I can't. Like, no, it's I me... can't do it. Okay. Then that is all we have here. Except had... when you posted um, the thing about the fire alarm. Yeah. Someone, uh, Ryan, replied with, too much fire in the dumpster today. <laughs> Not I know. Hurt. Not today. Larissa said, um, would you, or it... Explain if you'd rather be the first person to travel the farthest in outer space or the first to travel the deepest in the ocean and why. Oh, outer space. The ocean is fucking terrifying. You know that scene in Finding Nemo? Space is it? That scene in Finding Nemo when they're like down. Because you can see things in space. You can't see things deep in the ocean. You know in Finding Nemo when they're like down, they're down deep in that thing with the light? No thanks. Like that, and I know it's a cartoon movie, and I'm like. Like to you, the ocean is more claustrophobic than space. Yes. But space is endlessness. It's that's infinity, f- nothing. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Just take me away. Actually, I, I did say that <laughs> my ideal life is on a planet by myself. So yeah, there you go. go with space as well. Okay. <laughs> okay, are you ready for this? Uh, I, I probably not, but let's do it. <sighs> So you have to choose between the Marvel actor and the character. And the character. Oh, I love it already. Okay. So a soft one. I think this is easy. Robert Downey Jr. or Tony Stark? Oh no, it's I don't it's know. It's not. Would you want to be with Tony Stark? No, probably not. No. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna leave certain ones. To <laughs> you dick. Tom Holland or Peter Parker? Oh, Tom Holland, because Peter Parker's like 15. For sure. Zoe Saldana or Gamora? Gamora. Agreed. I'm going to skip that one too. <laughs> Motherfucker. Tessa Thompson or Valkyrie? Uh, both? I think Tessa Thompson. Yeah, probably, but like also kind of both. Uh, Chadwick or Chella? Chella. That's a hard one. I think T'Challa. I kind of think so, too. I think Chadwick in the media is a little bit, how do we say, Connor McDavid-y? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Evangeline Lilly or Hope Van Dyne? Uh, also both. 
I'd say Hope. Evangeline's got some weird... Oh, yeah, she does. That's correct. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Fair enough. Hiddleston or Loki? Oh, fucking neither. It's a classic double murder. It is 100% a double murder. Is it, well, no, Loki, because he can pretend to be somebody else. No, but he's still that same person underneath. It doesn't matter, appearance-wise. We're just, if I'm just okay, going with that, he can pretend to be someone else. Okay. Yeah. Letitia Wright or Shuri? Fucking Shuri, man. She's Shuri, the greatest. 100%. Uh, <laughs> Sebastian Stan or Bucky Barnes? Uh, probably Bucky. I'd choose Sebastian. I don't I don't have feelings really well. I think he, like, in terms of the art that he does, I think it's really interesting. Okay. Like, I think he's an interesting dude. Okay. ScarJo or Natasha? <sighs> probably ScarJo. For me, it's a double murder. Uh, yeah, I'm not, again, I'm kind of... I don't like either of them. Uh, Ruffalo or Banner? Slash the Hulk. <sighs> See, the Hulk part is the problem. But, like, Banner's just such a nerd. He is. He's I, very sensitive. I think Banner. I but, like, I think Mark Ruffalo's also super sensitive, too, so I think I don't think he's, he's acting. He's just a fuck-up. Yeah. Like, I love him. <laughs> yeah. He's just a bumbling fuck-up. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen or Wanda Maxima? That's a good one. I don't know. I'm kind of ambivalent on that one. I don't really like Wanda. Okay, fair. Because yeah. you have that accent all day. Well, it kind of disappeared, so yeah, it's fine now. <laughs> Paul Rudd or Scott Lang? Oh, Paul Rudd. 100%. Because he's as ageless and immortal as <laughs> any superhero. <laughs> I saw something about him and how old he is, and he's like two years younger than Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, I know. No, two years older. Two year, and he looks like, and yeah, Ted Cruz looks like, looks like a sack of flour and of wet flour. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Denai Guerrero or Okoye? Oh, fuck, both of them, for sure. I, I can't. I can't. I couldn't choose. Because she's also, like, I also really love her in The Walking Dead. She's amazing. She's a fucking badass. She's so amazing. I'm just going to go with both. You know, I'm going to skip it. No, say it. Do it. Pratt or Quill? <laughs> fucking neither, man. I know. <laughs> Mackie or Sam Wilson? Ooh, that's a good one. I can't, Sam's kind of annoying. But I think Mackie mm-hmm. would be too much. I think so, too. So I think you gotta go Sam Wilson. Yeah, probably. Cumberbuns? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking neither of them. I hate them both so much. I know. Same. Are you ready for the hard two? <laughs> They're not gonna be nearly as hard as you think. Really? No. Pretty okay. Hard. Hemsworth or Thor? Thor. I disagree. I'm choosing the other way. And... Oh, it's Evans. It's a hundred percent Evans. It's a hundred percent. I love, I love him, but he's just a little too sanctimonious. He's too virginal. A little bit. Okay. Have you seen the photo shoot of Chris Evans, like with the sweater with the elbow patches, looking like the hot professor? I know. Let's just yeah. roll with that. I'm just gonna take like a look at what this sex quiz is about. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about worse. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it, okay? And then we, like, gotta go. And then we got one more question from Mike, and then we gotta go. Okay. Okay. So would you rather, (laughs) fuck, face dive into Captain America's chest or Thor's back? Oh my god, that's the hardest question. (laughs) And there are photos of each. (laughs) Well, sure, there are photos. Jesus. Oh, man, alive. Oh, Thor's back, and that... Yeah, for sure. That's from the I'm, first one. No, I'm going Captain America's chest. Okay. 
uh, give M'Baku a hot oil massage or receive a hot oil massage from Thanos. I don't get this love for Thanos. No, I don't really get He's it either. Ball face purple. Like face. Josh Brolin, sure, but sure. not Thanos. Yeah, M'Baku. Yeah. Uh, would you rather have the greatest sex of your life for just one night only with Peter Quill? I don't think that's possible. <laughs> or just okay sex for one week straight with Ant Man? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, I'd do that. One. For sure. <laughs> I can't do that one. You're gonna have to. <laughs> no, I you can't. You started do it. it. I can't do it. Why? No, I can't do the rest <laughs> okay, of it. Fine. Oh my god. Uh. <laughs> oh my god. Is it just getting worse now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe we'll. Like, I'm actually sweating. She is. Okay, it's here's true. an okay one. Enjoy the Mile High. I skipped six questions. Okay. Enjoy the Mile High Club with Falcon or Hawkeye? Oh, Hawkeye. No, I can't do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you the link. Okay, because I would love to see this. Because, oh boy. It got real explicit. Okay. Are we ready for this last question? Just wait, because my attention needs to send this link to you via Twitter. Okay. 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 Last question. How much do you think Jamie Benn gets tripped on the ice about being bad at sex? <laughs> <laughs> I think probably he gets it more from his own teammates, like people like Tyler Sagan, than he would from anybody on another team. Yeah, because... And also his brother, just because. No, I think his brother's in the same boat. Have you seen those fucking goatees and beards? They're terrible. Uh, Jordy Ben has a way better beard than Jerry Ben's goatee. They're so bad. In the spectrum, things are still bad. But I think that we've talked about it before, Tyler Sagan, total fuckboy. Oh, 100% there's a reason he's not playing in Boston anymore. Yeah, so I think that he's he's on it. Is yeah. Jamie Ben the captain? Uh-huh. Mm, but then maybe. Oh, they choke him for sure. You think so? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you? Well, the dude knew about it. Oh, of course he did. Him. He's like, I don't want to be Jamie Ben anymore. <laughs> Nobody wants to be. No. Because all you get is chirped for being real bad at sex. Like the audacity to put that on Twitter. It's incredible. To be a public figure and have the confidence of a white man <laughs> to proclaim your oh, you mean just to, for oral sex you mean on just the to internet. Be a white man yeah. and declare your disdain for it. I guess the heroes are still, as always, Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's wrap this shit up. Um, thanks for listening. This is fun. It was. It's gonna be the last one we do in person for quite some time. Um, but uh, until Sweden, perhaps. Until Sweden, perhaps. Um, you can find us on Google or Stitcher or SoundCloud or iTunes, iTunes which I said that all backwards. So I was like, oh, fuck me. What just <laughs> Where happened? did I go? Uh, I have Twitter. You can find me at Meg14. You can find Kelsey at Garbage Fire Pod. Um, Garbage we, Fire Pod on Instagram. We have an email that no one uses. Garbage Fire Podcast at gmail.com. And we have a website, garbagefirepodcast.com. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler, for that. Um, yeah, that's about all we have. Stay tuned next week for our last book great gatsby and then we'll do a film. episode and then we'll do the one about the film and then uh i have an idea for another film commentary a live commentary for a film mm-hmm. i think it'd be kind of fun we'll see we'll see we'll see what we do 
I don't know if we could sustain it. No, I don't think so. I think it's... I think we should do... Uh, the day after tomorrow. The day after tomorrow. Yeah. I was going to say tomorrow never dies. Like, all that was going <laughs> in my mind... Tomorrow never dies. No, Kelsey, that's not it. Tomorrow never dies. No, Kelsey. It's <laughs> not it. All right. Yeah, we should do that first. Uh, so that's all we have. And we were, we had zero plan. We had three things to talk about. Haley Wickenheiser and two movies. And that was an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Uh, thank you again so much for listening. Watch To All the Boys I've Ever Before. <laughs> yes, you should. And then join us in the dumpster. Yeah. Because that's where we definitely will, will be living for the foreseeable future. Because Peter Kaminsky. Forever. Forever. Never, Five ever. ever. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, bye. Bye.